You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. Man, I'll tell you what, I am so excited and happy to have these youth at our church. They are amazing, aren't they? Can we give one more round of applause? The things that they do, I can never do. Not when I was their age. So I am super blessed to be able to lead them and have them at our church. Um, to begin this morning, I'm actually going to let Katie read for us, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 9 this morning. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, you can turn with us. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is the word of the Lord. Awesome. So today is an amazing day. And for those that don't know, the back of our shirts say perseverance. And that is what we're going to be talking about today because that is the word of the year for our youth group. And just so you know, a lot of people think, okay, well, what's it mean to persevere? I'm going to give you the Webster definition because that's the only way to do it. Con- perseverance is a continued effort to do or achieve something even when this is difficult or takes a long time. So we see that Paul is saying we need to run this race, right? And I think that every single one of us is running a race in order to obtain a prize, and to persevere means to, you know, take on this hardship, even if it means going through something hard, struggling, pushing through it so you can obtain whatever that prize or whatever that goal is for your life. And you see, Paul's saying we all need to run this race in order to attain the prize that will mean something. Because we're all running a race, but my question to you and my challenge to you this morning is what race are you running? What is the prize that you are running after? Because too often people tend to run after money or fame or wealth or the perfect family or whatever it is that you may be running after. The world wants to offer you something that it can't promise you. It tells you that this will be all good and it will be great, but it will not fulfill you. And if it fulfills you, it will be only temporary. And I want to give you an example I like to think about my childhood when I was a a junior and I was playing tennis. I played lots and lots and lots of tournaments. And I would acquire trophies over my tennis career. And I would get a few and I'd put them on my dresser. And then I'd get a few more and then I would keep going. And then I'd run out of room on the dresser. So then I moved to my other dresser and start some more. And then I was like, man, I don't have any more dresser space to put these trophies. So then I would pick through the ones I didn't like. Like, okay, third place, not good enough, goes in the closet. And then I would keep doing that in the sorting until I had all my first and second trophies on these dressers. And I'm telling you, I, I had way too many trophies. But I think back, you know, on those trophies. And what's really funny is before I moved down to Florida and before me and Sarah got married, we went and we were packing up all my stuff. And she was looking at all these trophies. And she was like, what are we going to do with all these trophies? And I was like, I don't know, keep them. You know, what else are we going to do with them? And she was like, 
we're not keeping all these trophies. And then we started going through my closet. You know, we, we weren't talking about trophies anymore. And then she pulled away some clothes and then boom, more trophies. And she was like, Logan, look, I love you, but we're not keeping all these trophies. So where do all these trophies sit, you may ask? Somewhere in a dumpster somewhere. I don't know where. But I have about, you know, six or seven of the ones that I thought were like the important trophies. But even then, those trophies, what value do they give me today? Nothing. Man, it was so exciting when I won that tournament. I got handed that trophy, and I thought, man, I did something. But today, 10 years later, those trophies don't mean anything. I could care less about those trophies. They were cool then, but they don't mean anything now. You see, this is the same thing that the world offers. Man, whenever you achieve what the world wants you to achieve, it feels good. You did it. All on your own. It was all your hard work. You earned whatever that prize was. But then here's the lie that the world tells you. The, the world tells you that will fulfill you. What the world gives you is good enough. But you know what I've learned? No matter what you gain in the world, no matter how much of something you gain, you always want more. Man, put it on your bucket list. One day I'll be a millionaire. I bet you when you get a million dollars, you'll think, ooh, I could be a billionaire maybe even a trillionaire. And you see, once you acquire what once was your goal, the world will never offer you enough. You will always want to seek after more because you'll realize, man, I had all this stuff, but it doesn't fulfill me. But there is one prize that Paul tells us that's worth running after. That is eternal life with God himself. That is the only prize worth running a race for. And, and I'm challenging you this morning. I want you to reflect on your own life and think about what are you running your race for? Because everyone has a different purpose. Everyone has a different goal. But what is your goal? What are you running after? And is it something in the world or is it something that God's calling you to? Is it something that's going to earn you the eternal prize in heaven? So today's going to be a little bit different. This is just the intro, but what we're talking about today is Paul the Perseverer. And believe it or not, this is just me, but I was like, Perseverer, that sounds good. But I really doubt it was that a word because every like Word document had the red line under it and said it wasn't a real word. But if you Google it, it says it's a real word. So we're going with it. Paul the Perseverer, that's the title of this sermon. And what we're going to look at is we're not going to look at one passage in particular. We're going to look at Paul's life as a whole. And I want us to look at how Paul persevered time and time again. What was he running after? And how did he run this race? And I think there's three things that we can learn from Paul's life. There's three reasons why we should persevere. And the first reason is it produces humility. And before we read this, I, I just want to explain what I mean by that. It produces humility. I want you to think about Paul's life, okay? He was one of the greatest, you know, Jews that, that lived. He was the most intelligent Jew, the most, you know, he obeyed the law perfectly. He was like the greatest Jew, fulfilled everything that he needed to do, but yet realized this isn't worth it, right? Because before Paul was Paul, he was Saul, and Saul was walking on the road to Damascus, and God comes to him, and then he's blinded by God. And then eventually, he changes, God changes his name to Paul, and Paul is the most devoted Christian that we see. 
Because on the outside, you look at everything that Paul experienced. I mean, flogged numerous times, thrown in jail who knows how many times. He was even shipwrecked three times. He was beaten all the time. And you think, man, that is not a life I want to live. Especially if you're not a Christian and you're looking at this, this guy named Paul and you're like, he gave up everything to follow this God and now he's getting beaten, thrown in jail. I mean, nothing is working for him. Why do I want to go down that path? You see, that's what it looks like as an outsider looking in on Paul's life. But as a Christian, with genuine faith, when you look at Paul, you think, man, that is the faith that I want. That no matter what happens, no matter what God calls me to, I am standing firm in my calling. I am standing firm in my faith. Because we have people like who? Like Peter. What Peter do? Denies Jesus three times says, no, I don't know that guy. If it's going to cost me something, no, I don't, I don't know him. I don't want anything to do with him. Does it three times. But Paul, he's like, no, I'm all about it. Throw me in prison, beat me, whatever you want to do, I don't care because I am standing firm in my faith because I know that this race I'm running, the eternal glory that, my, that is waiting for me, the prize in heaven is so worth the race, so worth the struggle, so worth anything that happens in this temporary lifetime that he is focused on the prize and he will take on whatever storm comes his way. And I want to read this passage. This is from Acts, and we're, um, Acts 16. And basically what's going on here is Paul and Silas are going to this town and, and they're sharing the gospel. And there's a slave girl who's possessed. And she keeps going. She's this fortune teller. And she's telling everyone their future. And she goes around and nags them for three days and says, these guys are telling you how to be saved. They're lying to you. Don't believe them. All this stuff. And then Paul turns around and basically tells this demon to get out of this slave girl. The demon flees. And what is this girl worth now? To her slave owners, she's worth nothing. She can't be a fortune teller anymore. She's no good to them. So what do they do? They get Paul and Silas thrown in prison. Well, first they get them beaten, stripped, flogged, and then thrown in prison and chained and have a guard watching them. And this is where we're going to pick up in the story is that after all this stuff happens, man, they're thrown in jail for what? Disturbing the peace? I mean, that's really all it is. Causing this people to lose money because where's their, where's their prize? It's the wealth that they can earn from this poor girl. But Paul frees her from this enslavement to this demon. And then he gets thrown in prison, him and Silas. And this is where we pick up. It says, The crowd joined in, attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, then they threw them into the prison, ordering the jail to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, if this isn't humbling, I don't know what is. I mean, you have nothing left. You're in jail, you got stripped, you're beaten, and you're sitting there in probably this cold, rocky cell with nothing. And you see, time and time again, Paul is getting, you know, beaten and struggling and doing all these things, and it is humbling him because you know what it's teaching him? It's teaching him that apart from God, he's nothing. Apart from God, he's nothing. And humility causes dependence. 
And when we depend on God, then we understand that apart from God, we can't do it on our own. Therefore, we draw close to God. And in Ephesians, this last week, we're studying Ephesians in the youth group, and Paul writes that he is a prisoner of Christ. I think that is a beautiful image. It sounds weird. Like, what does it mean to be a prisoner of Christ? It means he is so consumed with everything about Christ that he imprisons himself to this life with Christ, saying, no matter what happens, I am not leaving Christ. I am imprisoned in this walk with him. I am fully devoted, fully committed to this life with Christ. And then he goes on and he says, I am the less than the least of those who believe. This is Paul. Wrote all these letters in the Bible. One of the most well-known Christians. And yet he's saying, I am less than the least of those who believe. You see, Paul sees his own sin. He sees his own struggle. He knows every thought that he has. And he says, you know, other people have sinned, yes. But I know all mine. Therefore, I am the least of those who believe. Because he humbles himself saying, apart from God, I am nothing more than dust. Because God tells us from dust we were created to dust we will return. And apart from God, that's all we are, is dust, dust in this lifetime. And Paul sees that and he knows that. And this humility draws him closer to God. So much that he says, I want to be consumed. I want to be a prisoner of Christ because that is how committed I am to running this race, to persevering. No matter what happens, he is committed and his eyes are locked on Jesus. And when you have humility, right, when you're persevering and you you go through these struggles and it creates humility, the next thing you get from humility is it produces genuine faith. So going on, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open. And everyone's bonds were unfastened. Man, Paul's been in this, you know, this situation plenty of times. And what's his first thing? Believe. Praise. Thank God. Right? All this stuff happens. He's in this prison cell, and him and Silas start praising and worshiping God, giving thanks. I mean, think about that. If you were thrown in prison for your faith, what are you going to think? I'm probably not going to sit there and say, thank you, Lord, for putting me in this jail cell. This is amazing. You beat me. You had me beaten. You had me flogged. And you had me thrown in here. Lord, you're so good. You are so good. That's not what I would be thinking. But you see, Paul's faith is so strong. He is running this race. Life happens, and he doesn't even miss a stride. He is committed. His eyes are on the prize. And in the middle of this, this perseverance, it produces genuine faith because time and time and time again, Paul sees that God is always faithful. He is always faithful. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He always loves us, always forgives us. He is always faithful. So no matter what storm you may feel like you're in right now, maybe you feel like you're in this prison. I hope that you hear that this morning, that God is always faithful. There is a reason and a purpose for whatever storm you're going through. Because the cool thing is, 
Paul believes and has this faith before the storm. Paul doesn't just believe and have this faith after the storm. He believes and has this faith in the middle of the storm. Too often it's easy to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian when things are good. When things go bad, it's easy to blame God. God, why are you doing this? How can you be a loving God if, if you let me suffer like this? God, where are you? And then maybe years down the road, life gets good again, and then you're on a good course with God. But I want to encourage you that before the storm, in the storm, after the storm, God is always with you, and we should always be committed to him, trusting him, singing songs of praise, even when we can't see the end, even when we don't understand it. And this produces genuine faith, because God will show you. And if you don't trust him now, persevere through a storm, and God will show you that he is faithful that he is there, he loves you, and he will not leave you. And that perseverance, that's going to produce genuine faith. It's not only going to produce genuine faith in you, it's going to produce genuine faith in those around you. I want to take a look at this. So after they're released, the jailer woke up and saw that the prison doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Man, this guy is so committed to his job. He sees these guys are gone and says, man, I don't, I don't even want to know the consequences. So he's going to take his own life. And then Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. What did Paul and Silas do? Did they go and share the gospel with this guy, with this guard? No. You want to know what they did? They had faith. They trusted, they persevered, and they praised God in the middle of the storm. What's God do? God frees them, and then this guard sees, man, your God is amazing. I want to believe. I want to have what you have. How can I be saved? Believe in Christ. Believe in Christ and follow him, and you will be saved. What's that mean for us? It means that if you persevere in your life and you have genuine faith and you trust in God and you follow him, you may be running your race not even knowing that people are looking at you. And then you persevere and you're committed and then you get on the other end of that storm and they come over to you and they say, man, you just went through all this stuff. How, how did you still have joy? How can you still be praising God's name? How can you still say, to God be the glory? I don't get it. And you say, because God's always with me. You tell them the story of the gospel. And all of a sudden, your faith is so genuine that it draws people to Christ. I want to have what you have. And as a graduate, you're going into almost a new life, independent, on your own, 
Don't have to text your mom when you're going to get Waffle House at 1.30 in the morning. Man, the life. College is awesome. I'll tell you what, college is awesome, but college is also hard. There's a lot of things you don't know of, you don't think of until they happen. You're like, what do I do now? Which way do I turn? But trust me that God is always with you. Our word of the year, persevere. Persevere and let your faith be a testimony to others. Let your faith share the gospel with those around you. And that's for everyone in here. Let your faith be so real, so genuine, and so pure that those around you want to know Christ because you know Christ. To be so filled with the Holy Spirit that when people bump into you, Jesus pours out. I think that's a beautiful image. To be so filled with the Holy Spirit that when people bump into you, Jesus pours out. The last reason we should persevere, this is really the greatest reason. Because, you see, we're not going to suffer. We're not going to go through what Paul went through just because we want to do something. No, we persevere because it gives glory to God. The reason we devote ourselves to God is because he gave everything for us, right? And if we're humbled and we understand that we're born in this world of sin and we're born apart from God, then we know how desperately we need him. Because apart from him, we can't save ourselves. But when you understand that, then you depend on him. When you depend on him and trust in him, it grows your faith. And the whole reason that we run this race is to give glory to God. That is what our life should be known for. You know, I don't want to get to the end of my road and the end of my days and, and they say, man, Logan was a great guy. He achieved all this success while he was on earth. Had the biggest house, the most money, the fastest car, whatever it may be. Whatever you think is the greatest thing, that is not what I want to be known for. What I want to be known for is that I did whatever God called me to do. You see, because I understand God created me. Without God, I wouldn't be here. Apart from God, I would be lost. But with God, he saves us, he picks us up, he dusts us off, and he says, I have a plan and a purpose for you. Your life is not meaningless. I created you in my image for a reason. And if we understand that, if we know the true love of God, think about that, how much God loves you. There's a reason for you being here today. There's a reason for you believing. There's a purpose in your life that God is calling you to. And I pray and I hope that we can see what that purpose is. And we're going to read a few passages, and these all come from Paul. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3.23-24, Whatever you do, work heartedly, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Lastly, Romans 11.36 
For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You see, our life, we should be so devoted to giving him the glory. And if you want to know why, say, well, why should I be devoted to God? For from him and through him and to him are all things. There is, if it wasn't for God, no one would be here in this room. We come from him. He lives in us. We should serve. We should let him move through us. And we should live our life for him. Because everything that he has created has a purpose and has a, a meaning. And I think one of the craziest things is I was studying Acts. This is kind of what God just put on my heart. And I hope you hear this this morning because I think this is really the biggest part of this message. Because I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to speak on? Lord, what do you want me to talk about? What are you teaching me so that I can teach others? And as I was going through my quiet time, I've been going through Acts. And in Acts 14, there's a story of Paul. And he's going to this town and he's preaching the word of God. And these people take him, and because he's proclaiming the word of God, they take him and they stone him almost to the point of death. This is in chapter 14 of Acts. You should go read it. They stone him almost to the point of death. They think he's dead, carry him out, and his disciples find him, and he's alive. Now again, if I'm Paul, I'm going home. Paul wakes up. What does he do? I want to go back to the city. I want to go back. I want to go back and I want to preach the word of God. God still needs to move in this place. He gets up. He goes. And it says that many come to know Christ. I think it even says that thousands come to know Christ. Man, look at that faith. That perseverance. That when life throws you down and it beats you down, you get back up. It's just like that. Rocky Balboa quote, right? He looks at his son. Rocky looks at his son and he goes, you know, I'm going to tell you something you don't already know. Life ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a mean and it's a cruel place and it'll beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. It's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Man, that's pure devotion. How much does eternal life mean to you? Because the Bible teaches us we have two options. We have life or we have death. That's it. There's no in-between of maybe I'll find my way somehow. It's life or death. And that's life abundantly with God forever. Or that's death separated from God for eternity. This morning, I hope you hear this, Paul sacrificed everything because God is so worth it. God is so worth it this morning. And maybe you're leaning on the fence saying, I don't really know. I think God's kind of good, but I don't know if he's really worth everything every part of my life. 
He is so worth it. You see, I find myself wanting to hold on to little pieces of I, who I used to be. Not wanting to give it all to Christ. I still want to be in control of bits and pieces of my life. But every time I do that, it just sends me in this cycle of continuing to sin and mess up and nothing goes my way. I've learned, and I hope that you've learned, that when you commit everything to Christ, he takes it all and he runs with it because he can give you a far greater purpose in your life than you could ever give yourself. He has a far greater purpose and calling for your life than you could ever give yourself. Man, I look at Paul. That's who I want to be like. And I pray this prayer, and I remember when I prayed this prayer, and it was after a summer camp, and I was really wanting to grow my faith, and I prayed the prayer, I said, Lord, I pray that I grow closer to you even if it means that it breaks me down, even if it means it causes storms in my life. Lord, I pray that I want to know you so well and so closely that it even breaks me down. That's a prayer, that's a bold prayer. But if you can get to that point in your life, Lord, all I need is you. That's it. Nothing else. It's so worth it. Paul lived a life devoted to Christ all the way until his death, where he died a martyr for Christ. That's perseverance, that's devotion. Because we know that death isn't the end. Because what are we running this race for? We should be running this race for the eternal glory that God promises us on the other end. This life, this life's not, a, it's not about what's here. It has nothing to do what's, with, with what's here. And then I'm going to close with this. This may be my like fifth closing. But this is it. I'm going to take it home here. No matter what you get, no matter what you earn, no matter what you make, no matter what you achieve, here on earth, it doesn't go with you. It does not go with you. And you, you may have heard this time and time and time again, but I pray that the Lord puts this on your heart this morning. And it's funny because I think back to when I was a little kid in 2004, I was probably six years old, my grandfather passed away. And as his visitation, I was standing there with my grandmother and I was looking at him and I had two dimes. I don't know why I had two dimes. I guess change was still a thing back then. But I took those two dimes and I put it under my grandpa's tie. My grandma looks at me and she says, why did you do that? I said, well, I don't want him to be broke in heaven. I want him to have some money. I didn't understand that what's here doesn't go there. Because what's here is meaningless. It means nothing. Because what God offers us in heaven is so much greater than we could even fathom or imagine. We need to understand what the real prize is in life. As a Christian, the prize is eternal life with God. That's what we run this race for. That's what we run the race for. And I challenge you this morning, reflect on your life. What's your prize? What's your goal? 
Is it worth it or is it going to fade? Is it worth it or is it going to fade? Will you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you that we can just gather here. Lord, it's, man, it's so humbling. It's so humbling knowing how much you love us, what you did for us, Lord, everything you gave for us, knowing that some of us will still turn away. Some of us may never choose you. But Lord, you know that we were so desperately in need of a Savior that you did whatever it took so that we can be reunited with you. God, we thank you for that this morning. Lord, our prize, it's you. That's our prize this morning, Lord. And if we see anything other than that, I pray that we can search our hearts. Lord, you're worth it. You are worth it. Lord, if someone doesn't believe in you this morning, and Lord, I pray, I pray that they come to know you. Maybe life's not easy when you become a Christian. Maybe there's some struggles. Maybe there's some doubts. Maybe life gets a little hard. But there's hope that you didn't have before. God is so worth it. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.